So turn with me to the book of Luke, the 19th chapter, if you will. And some things that I've been thinking about uh, over the last few weeks, and I want to share this with you. In Luke chapter 19, verse 45, And he went into the temple, that is Jesus, and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that, ta- that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple, but the scribes, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him and could not find what they might do for all the people were very attentive to hear him. And it came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes come unto him with the elders and spake unto him, saying, Tell us by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this authority? And he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? They reasoned within themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then believed ye him not? But if we say of men, all the people will stone us, for they be persuaded that John was a prophet. And they answered, and they answered that they could not tell Whence it was. Jesus said unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, most of us are probably familiar with this story, and we've centered around the authority part of it, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But I want you to center on something a little bit different. When he was talking to the religious leaders of the day, and that's who he was speaking to, he said, It was written that my house, that is God's house, would be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the question I've got is this. Could they really see themselves the way God saw them? Do you really think most people in this world look at themselves and see themselves exactly the way God sees us? You know, we like to talk about the story where two men went to the temple to pray and the one would not so much lift his eyes to heaven but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you really think that most people look at themselves as sinners? If you go up and down the street and you're planning on having a meeting and you're planning on doing some outreach and talking to people, do they see themselves the way God does? What about us as Christians? Do we see ourselves the way God does? We need to make sure that we do not fall into the same category and same trap that these religious leaders did back then. Now, you may not believe this, but years ago, I was into kayaking. I like kayaking. That was a lot of fun. And so I had bought a little cheap one at the Walmart and all the stuff to go with it, and I'd kayak around the lake. I couldn't do a river. If you do a river, you start at one point, go down the other. So I was by myself. Somebody's got to bring you back. And it's, I, didn't, I was into kayaking, not walking. And so I, I, would, I would paddle around the lake. And I decided I need a better boat. I need a lot better equipment than this little plastic thing that I got at Walmart. And so I went into a kayak shop, and there was a young fellow standing back there. And I said, I want to see what it is that you sell the most. I go, what is it that you sell the most of? And he said, self-delusion. And I'm going, okay. I go, what do you mean? He said, He said, nothing personal. He said, but you're going to buy this kayak up here for $4,000. 
It's 17 feet long. It's got hatches where you can put your tent and your camping gear. He goes, I really don't see you camped out on an island somewhere eating a hot dog. And I got to thinking about it, roughing it for us when we go camping is when we can't get the satellite to tune in good. You know what I mean? But he said, I sell self-delusion. Are we, are we deceiving ourselves? That's what the Bible calls it. Are we deceiving ourselves on how God really sees us and how God looks at us? I would assure you that if most people really thought they were in the situation that God sees, you would have more full buildings than you could build. In Galatians 6 and 7, the scriptures tell us, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Be not deceived. In James 1, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Self-delusion is a very scary thing. I was in a bookstore, and I was buying self-help books. I wanted to be a better salesman, and I thought self-help books would, would help me, and no doubt they, they probably would. But I'm standing there, and I'm looking at this book, and what I got out of this this thing was I've met the greatest book salesman in the world if nothing else but I'm standing there and y'all can see me the way I am but I'm standing there and I'm looking at this book and it's called the power look how to take control of the room with just your very presence in your eyes and I thought here it is that's what I want to do and it showed a guy on the cover he's about six five yeah Jet black hair, piercing eyes, dark blue suit with a red tie, broad shoulders, slim at the hip. I'm going, yeah. And this kid walks up to me and goes, that's you. And I go, yeah, it is. Well, you know, nothing could be further from the truth, but it's hard for us to see ourselves the way we really are. And that's scary when it comes to God because did they see themselves as a den of thieves? Now, I don't know if you know how the Pharisees started or not. I was reading some book about the different groups in Israel at the time of Jesus because I wanted to know where did all these people come from? The Pharisees just kind of pop up, you know what I mean? The Pharisees started off when Greece overtook, was the world power at the time, and under Alexander the Great, and they basically ruled the world before the Romans did. They were a very immoral type people. And a lot of the Jewish people said, we're not going to have anything to do with them. And they moved out to the desert where we believe they moved to the caves of Qumran. That's what archaeology says. And they just withdrew themselves from that. They weren't going to be part of it. There was another group of men. They taught in the synagogues. They were teachers of the law. And they made this statement. We're not going to leave the people. We're not going to abandon them. We're going to stay in here and we're going to fight and push that people will follow God's law. Now, I'm not making this up, folks. Better fasten your seatbelt, brother. They said we're going to speak where the law speaks and be silent where the law is silent. Sound familiar? They were called the Pharisees. They must have started off with good intentions. A noble cause to protect the people and teach them God's way. And they were going to stay true to the law. And somewhere along the way, they got to the point where they are 
in Jesus' day. Jesus made this statement in Matthew 5 and 20. Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. They see themselves that way? I don't think so. Apparently not. Now, I want you to know, not every Pharisee was a bad guy. Even in Jesus' day, there was a fellow by the name of Nicodemus who was a, a, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, a teacher of teachers. There was a fellow by the name of Joseph of, say it however you want to, Ar Joseph of Arimathea. You know, and when Jesus died, they went and begged for the body of Jesus from Pilate so that they could get him to his burial. And Joseph laid him in his own new tomb. They weren't all bad guys, but some had reached this point, maybe the majority had reached this point, that unless you're more righteous than they are, and if you want to know what their problem was, read Matthew 23, because Jesus devotes a whole chapter to what's wrong with these guys. We need to be careful that we don't fall into the same situation they were. In Matthew 7, 21, I've used this verse a lot, lot of years, and I will admit probably out of context to some extent, Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. You know what I've always done with that? I've always applied that to other religions out there that don't follow Jesus or God the way they're supposed to. You know what Jesus was really talking about? Who was the ones that he said, Not everyone says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven? but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. He's talking about the Sermon on the Mount he just gave, folks. In chapter 5, 6, and 7, he's talking about when I refuse to turn the other cheek, when I don't want to pray for those that despitefully use me or persecute me, when I don't want to go the extra mile, when I don't want to treat somebody else the way I want to be treated. All those things he's talked about. Do your alms in secret and your heavenly Father will reward you openly. When we refuse to do the things Jesus taught in 5, 6, and 7, he gets to the end of 7, and he says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Who's he talking about? The people he just gave that instruction to. He's talking to me and you. That's who he's talking to. Because we've read the Sermon on the Mount. We know what's in it. Do we do it? Now, he talks about the two foundations as he gets a little further down. The guy that built on the sand, the guy that built on the rock, building on the rock, you got to build on Jesus. Well, you're right about that, but, but there's more to it than that. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I will liken unto a foolish man that built his house on the sand. And you know what happened to that house. But whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house on a rock. Are we able to see ourselves the way Jesus did? Are we doing the will of the Father? I hope we are. In Romans 10, 1 and 2, Paul talks about the Jewish people a little bit more. He says, My heart's prayer and desire to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, I bear them record that they have a zeal toward God, but not according to knowledge. 
You think they were probably, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just be honest with you as I can be. I figure the average Pharisee had forgot more about the Old Testament than I know. I mean, they were schooled in that thing. But Paul's saying they weren't according to knowledge because they missed the part about the Messiah, the Savior, that was going to come and save the world. He said, our heart's prayer, desire to God for them is they'll be saved. Now, does that imply to you that they're not saved? Now, John 5, 39, scary verse. It ought to be. If it's not, there's something wrong with us. John 5 and 39, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Can we see ourselves the way God does, and can we respond the way God would have us respond to that knowledge? I sure hope so. These guys didn't get it, and they didn't see it. Jesus even went so far as to make this statement. He was talking to his apostles. He said, there's going to come a time that they will kill you and think they do God a service. Paul did. That's what he was doing when Jesus came to him on the road to Damascus. But they thought they were doing God a service. We need to be able to not deceive ourselves, but see ourselves the way God sees us. In Matthew 28 and 19, Jesus said, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Jesus is the authority. Now, I want you to know something. If you look at John 12, 48, this ought to be scary. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receives not my words. You see, rejecting the words of Jesus is the absolute same as rejecting Jesus himself. If you reject me and my words, he has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. Jesus has all authority in heaven and in earth. Is that our authority for what we do? Now, we sing a song, we wrote it, we got it out of the scriptures, and it's a good song, don't get me wrong. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord means by the authority of the Lord. Are we living our lives according to his authority? Are we doing things according to his Do we worship according to his authority? Have we obeyed the plan of salvation that he has given us by his authority? Who is our authority? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I have not always done that. Do you know the times Marlon gets in a big mess? Is when Marlon takes control himself. When Marlon does it Marlon's way, and you know how we straighten it out? I've learned this over the years. When it gets in a mess, we go back and we find out what Jesus would have us do. And when we do it his way, every time, like a miracle, everything just lines out. Who's your authority? Who knows best for you? In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 6, Paul is talking to these Corinthian brethren, and they've got a lot of division among them. And one of the things they do is they follow men. I'm, I'm not making this stuff up, folks. I've actually been on a meeting where they took me to visit a fella, and he goes, I want you to know I'm of Paul. I go, what? He goes, he, he goes to church with us. He said, I'm of Paul because he was Gentile. 
He was to the Gentiles. And I said, well, we can't work together. I'm of Peter. And I really thought the lights would come on. But you know, they didn't. <laughs> he thought, I, he goes, well, you're following the wrong apostle because he went to the Jews. And I go, okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 1 where some say I'm of Paul and some say I'm of Peter. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? You know, didn't make a dent. Now that's a literal case of this. So in chapter 4, Paul decides to bear down on this. And he said, brethren, these things in a figure I have transferred to myself and to Apollos. Now, I would always love to be an Apollos. Paul talked about Apollos over and over again, and he, was, he always said this. He was an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures. I always thought, man, that'd be so cool for Paul to think of you like he thought of Apollos, wouldn't it? I'm afraid I do more like Paul did. I come to you with great rudeness and plainness of speech. It just is what it is, boys. But he said, I transferred these things. I'm using me and Apollos as an example that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. Did a Bible study. Oh, it's been over 40 years ago. And I, it was kind of a different one. Well, it was very different. This lady wanted to study the Bible. And we would turn say, okay, turn to the book of Matthew and pick a, pick a verse, chapter and verse. And she would reach down. She had a preacher she loved. And she would pick up his commentary on it. And she never opened a Bible. We're talking about following men above that which is written. Now, folks, I know I'm giving you an extreme case. But let me give you a more common one. Years ago, before I'd come to the church, I was in the post office in our little town. And we had a preacher there that I thought a lot of. And I said to the postmaster who goes to church with us, I said, I wish I knew the Bible like brother so-and-so did. And you know what he told me? He didn't say, go study your Bible, go learn it. He said, will you not worry about that? That's his job. But see, what we did was we hired brother so-and-so and he's going to tell us what God said, and we just do what brother so-and-so said, we're going to be okay. Now, that's the more common version of thinking of men above that which is written. He goes on to say that you would not be puffed up one against another, and that's what that, that does cause division and strife when you start following men instead of God. Now, in verse 17, I like this, of chapter 4, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4, 17. He makes this statement, I'm going to send unto you my son Timotheus, son in the faith, and he will bring you re into remembrance of my ways that I teach everywhere in every church. Now, I'm not going to take all of Texas. I'm going to take Wheeler County. Could one preacher come into this town and preach the same doctrine everywhere in every single church in this county? You know better than that. But Paul said, I taught the same thing everywhere in every church. And Timothy's going to bring you into remembrance of those things that I teach. How come we can't do that now? Because we follow men instead of Jesus. And Jesus is the authority, not the preacher. 
Not the guy with the letters by his name. Jesus is your authority. In Galatians 1, 8 and 9, Paul was very forceful. He said to the Galatians, Though we are an angel from heaven, preach unto you any other gospel than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Do you know the number one way to get a religion started? If you want to start your own religion, if you don't get nothing else out of this sermon, you can, you can start your own religion. You've got to have an angel talk to you. Do you know how many religions on this earth have started because their leader was talked to by an angel and told them to do this? You go to Salt Lake City and they got a temple out there with an angel called Moroni sitting on top of it. You think I'm making this stuff up? You go over to the Middle East and you've got a billion people, maybe more now, on this planet that are following a guy that said Gabriel gave it to him. And you shouldn't follow Jesus, but you should follow his prophet. What did Paul say? Though we are an angel, preach any other gospel, let him be a girl. And you know, Paul must have known something was up with these guys. Because in verse 9, I mean, and you talk about repeating yourself. I'm talking about the very next verse. As I said before, yeah, like two seconds ago. So say I now again, though we are an angel, preach any other gospel unto you, and that you've received, let him be accursed. Are we following men? Are we following the authority? Are we following an angel? Are we following the authority? And the authority is Jesus. There's three areas in our life that we need to follow Jesus and have his authority to guide us. Joshua 24, 15. We like this so much that when I go to houses, and I love this, I'm not picking on this, we've got these little plaques that say this. And it's great if we do it. If we'll follow what we put on that plaque, it's wonderful. This is where Joshua's talking to the people, and he says, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. That's a commitment, isn't it? In his individual life, I'm going to follow the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Joshua was wise enough. He'd already seen what happened to folks that didn't. Think about that. He had a good friend and a teacher by the name of Moses. And he saw what happened when you don't follow the Lord. Are you committed to follow the Lord no matter what? Are we? Are there times we're going to put the Lord on the back burner? I tell this sometimes. Uh, Bev and I, I've had my fault, I hadn't been in the church very long, hadn't been a Christian very long. And we went to Arkansas and visited my little grandmother. And oh, I loved her. And you talk about a saintly lady. She was a good woman. Don't get me wrong. If I could be like her, I'd be a lot better off. I guarantee you that. But grandmother wanted her grandson to go to church with her. She wanted to show off her grandson, who's grown now, and her new granddaughter that I, I'd married. And we went to church with grandmother. Now, needless to say, she didn't go to the church. And the kick in the head is there was a church, a perfectly fine one, right down the road. We just went with grandmother. And I told Bev on the way home, I go, that didn't feel right. There's something wrong with that. And I told her, I'm not doing that again. 
and I never did. And I don't know if grandmother ever understood why totally. I'd try to talk to her every now and then about these things. But are you going to follow the Lord instead of your grandmother? I didn't. That one, now, how am I going to convince grandmother to come and do what the Bible says if I'm going to just go along with whatever's going on, folks? How do I do that? In Acts 17 and 11, evidently Thessalonica was not a totally successful place for Paul, but maybe he liked the Bereans better, I don't know. But he said these were more noble than they in Thessalonica, and they searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. I hope we look at the scriptures daily as our guide to lead us down the paths that we ought to go. I haven't always done that. I haven't been perfect at that. I want you to know that. But I know this, if we're going to be successful as Christians, we're going to have to say, as for me and my house, we'll follow the Lord. And we're going to do what Jesus said for us to do. What about in our worship? Well, I go to church. <laughs> I, saw, I actually heard a, a lady talking, and she made this statement. She said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And she said, the other day I was at church. And somebody goes, you were at church? And she goes, well, yeah, I'm an atheist. I'm not a heathen. <laughs> you know, as long as you go to church, you're okay, right? Does it matter what church? When I do Bible studies with people, one of the things I tell them is there's a church I'd rather be a member of than the one I am a member of. And they go, what would that be? I go, well, they meet on Monday nights at about 7 o'clock. It's called the Church of Monday Night Football. Now, you think I'm making this up, don't you? They got a charter. They are recognized by the government as a church. Where does the Bible say major denomination? In the 1990s, do you know what the fastest growing church on the North American continent was? It was in Canada. And it was called the Church of Holy Laughter. Now, I like to laugh. But instead of Jesus behind the pulpit, they had a picture of David Letterman. Is that okay? If it doesn't matter where we go, as long as we go. Now, I want to go to church where we ride horses. No, I don't, but I mean, some do. I want to go to church where we ride motorcycles. And that's the motivation? In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 8, Jesus said, well did Isaiah, I believe the King James says Isaiah, well did Isaiah prophesy of this people, saying unto me, unto the people, they draw nigh unto me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, Lord, how do you honor you with your lips and, and, and your mouth, but my heart is far from you? How do I do that? The next verse. But in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. Who's your authority for your worship? Is it God? Is it Jesus? Or is it men? Jesus said they worship. He called it worship. But he said it's vain worship. Because they're teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. Who's our authority, people? In our relationships, in our homes. Ephesians 5 and I'm not going to read all those verses to you, but you can start about verse 23 and go through it. 
Start in Colossians 3.16 and read through the chapter. He tells you how to set up a Christian home. Do you know what would happen to you? And I have a sister-in-law that uh, has a doctorate degree. And she said, do you know what would happen if you went and read those verses to people in a college? You probably would not be a part of that college for very long. That's not the way you set up a home. And look at the situation we're in in the world. Look at the homes that are out there and the mess people are in. You know when it straightens out? When they do what Jesus said to do. God knows more about running your home than you do. Like I said, when I run things, I get it in a mess. God knows more about raising kids than you do. We need to do it the Lord's way. He's either our authority, folks, or he's not. Now, with authority is going to come responsibility. If God's going to give you authority over something, he's going to give you responsibilities to go with that authority. To whom much is given, much is required. And God's put us all in positions of authority in some way. And we need to make sure we do it his way. In Matthew 16, 24, the Bible talks about if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. You know what take up the cross is? Every now and then, I see some guy going up and down the highway with some two-by-fours nailed together with a lawnmower wheel on it. And he's carrying his cross. And he gets on the news, and some people think, oh, man, what a wonderful Christian. And some people think, what a nut, you know. Is that what Jesus meant? Get some two-by-fours, nail them together, put a lawnmower wheel on it, and head down the, down the street? Bear your cross is your responsibilities, the thing God has put you in authority of. He's also given you responsibilities to do that. That's what he's talking about. Now, I do not like self-denial. Dieting is a place where you deny yourself. I want you to know I was dieting one day, and I went all day without not eating, with, with, with eating properly. So I rewarded myself that night. <laughs> Self-denial's hard, isn't it? Putting self on the back burner and letting the Lord take control, that's hard, folks. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. Who's in control? Do you deny self? Or You know, the Bible says that God put you in the body as it pleased him, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Are you meeting those responsibilities? Are you taking care of those responsibilities? You know, God had made the husband the head of the family. That's pretty cool. Bev told me one time, said, well, Marlon, if I always got my way, I'd be happy too. <laughs> and I go, the point is... <laughs> You know, when I sit down and talk to young people before they get married, one of the things I ask them is, who's going to hold the remote? Oh, you think that's not an issue, do you? I know this. Bev will tell you, Marlon goes shaking if he don't have the remote. <laughs> i got to have control here. I mean, what does she know about watching TV? i got to do it. But you know, with being the head of the house also comes responsibility. Years ago, Chance's older brother, Jeremy, he was a teenager. He came to me and he said, Dad, my friends have got some activities planned. Now, for those of you that are new parents, activities planned means a party. 
Now, I did not realize that at this time because had he said, I, I want to go to this party, I'd have said no, and I don't want to hear about the party. But well, they have some activities planned. Well, that sounded innocuous, you know. I mean, that's not a very big deal. And so he goes, but here's the problem, Dad. We're doing it on Sunday, and I got to miss church. And I thought, do I come down on the boy like a ton of bricks? Do I grab my Bible and start preaching to him? What do I do? And I thought, ah, brilliant moment, Marlon. This is Marlon's father in career. I mean, this is greatness. And I go, son, your mom and I have taught you what's right. And we've shown you what's right. Just do what's right. And he ducked his head and he walked off. He went to church. And I thought, yeah, I got this. I can do this. So a little while later, his sister, Chance's older sister, come to me and said, Dad, my friends are going to Six Flags and I want to go with them. But the problem is, it's on Sunday and I got to miss church. And I thought, I got this one. I've done this before. I said, okay, Mom and I have taught you what's right and we've shown you what's right. You do what's right. And she looked at me and goes, yes! And I'm going, ho, ho, ho here. Maybe we need some more teaching, you know what I mean? One size don't fit all with kids, does it? God has the remedy. God can tell you how to raise kids. God can tell you how to run your family. God can tell you how to live your life. The question is, are you going to let God do it? Are we going to make a mess out of it? And, tend to, and we tend to make a mess out of it when we're in charge of it. Of heaven or of men, the baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or of men? Well, if we say of men, the people hold him to be a prophet and they're going to stone us. Well, that's not a good outcome. But if we say it's of heaven, he's going to go, why didn't you believe him? And so they took the position a lot of people take. I'm just not going to decide. I'm just not going to make a decision. And you realize that not making a decision is making a decision? You just made a decision to not do it. Now, in Luke chapter 7, verse 29, the Bible talks about the people that came to, came to John the Baptist. The sinners and the publicans justified God being, just, being baptized of John. Now, I want you to know about being a publican. That was a tax collector. They had their own category. <laughs> there was the sinners, the harlots, and the publicans. Do you realize these people had to improve two notches just to be your everyday run-of-the-mill sinner? <laughs> but they justified God being baptized of John. They believed what John was preaching about the kingdom. And they obeyed. But the scribes and the chief rulers rejected the counsel of God against themselves. How? By not being baptized of him. So rejecting John's baptism, and that's what Jesus is asking them about, was to reject the counsel of God. And I want to make a suggestion to you. I want to go out on a limb here. You cannot be pleasing to God and reject the counsel of God. I know that's wild. Jesus said in Mark, 15, Mark 16, 15, and 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. 
Now, if you reject the counsel of God by rejecting John, you think you're okay with the counsel of God by rejecting Jesus? How's that dog hunt? It doesn't work. Either Jesus is the authority and he guides our life, our homes, our worship, our salvation. He is our salvation. Either he does or he doesn't. Who's guiding your life? Who's your authority? Who do you look to when you need guidance? I hope you look to Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.